Welcome to the Mission City Church Podcast. My name is Jake Eichert, and I am the Community Groups and Creative Director at Mission City Church, as well as the host of this podcast. Each week, you can find full-length sermons, five-minute sermon breakdowns, and inspiring conversations with guests about discipleship, current events, local outreach, and more. Our mission as a church is to make Jesus known, and we pray that this podcast does just that for you. If it does, please subscribe and share. But for now, please enjoy this episode of the Mission City Church Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the Mission City Church Podcast Thursday edition. I am joined by a very special guest this week for the first time on the podcast, the finance director at Mission City Church, Ryan Burrow. What's up, man? How are you doing? I'm good. Happy to be here. Uh, Finance director is probably a bit strong for what I do, but uh, we'll take it. Yeah. Hey, you know what? We're kind of at that stage of church where we're all just making up our titles. You know, (laughs) I think uh, actually, you know, community groups and creative directors gotten a little long. I might need to switch mine up again just just to create something new, some new buzz. Yeah. As operations director, I can probably get you an acronym for it. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. I can. That's, that's going to require a new email sign-off and all kinds of things, but we'll we'll get it into R&D. Yeah, we'll run it through the chain. Thanks. We'll Appreciate get that, that going. Uh, well, hey, would you do me a favor and just kind of talk a little bit about yourself, about just kind of your coming to faith. Just, you know, don't give us, you don't need the full testimony or whatever, but just your, your background, uh, maybe some time that what you've done in churches in the past, things like that. Uh, yeah, so I started going to church with my family when I was around five years old. They had some major stuff going in their lives um, at that time, and that's when we started going to church, and they got saved. And then from there, uh, church was pretty much like the only thing I did. So that's where I made all of my friends, the best man of my wedding I met when I was in third grade at church. Um, and yeah, so church to me has always been just like the place where I go and feel most comfortable and feel most loved. So Um, I got saved young and then it was sort of a journey of just learning how to be an actual Christian and not just someone who goes to church. Um, So I think I was that person um, through college mostly um, and then had some older men pour into me um, and work through just, you know, everything that comes with growing up in the 2000s. So, uh, yeah. Cool. Yep. And then uh, we met as at Grace. You it was post college. Uh, yep. I was working there, and then you had actually come on staff for a bit as well. Uh, we were doing student ministry, and so uh, we've known each other for a little while now. And it's, uh, I'm excited to uh, to talk about our, our topic today. Absolutely, those were the uh, golden years. They were. They were. They were. They were. We were overstaffed and underfunded, and it was awesome. <laughs> Absolutely right. <laughs> Absolutely right. Beautiful. Well, hey, uh, we are continuing our series over. Uh, revelation we titled it the greatest revelation which looking back sounded a little bit better in the moment but on the recorded you know message i said this is going to be the title so we're locked into that okay uh, <laughs> glad you committed yes <laughs> yes so the greatest revelation part two this week uh, last week we talked about some of uh you know the beginning of chapter one of revelation and really talked about the, the idea behind this series is to uh, kind of demystify or help make revelation the book of revelation a little less scary a little less intimidating while also pointing to some of the ways that maybe god wants to reveal things to us or some of the techniques that he uses and how we see that play out in this revelation that he gives to John. And so in chapter one, we talked about how uh, the most important thing for John or the thing that stood out to me when he first has this revelation is that he's actually what's what they say is in the spirit or that he's spending time with God. And that's when Jesus shows up and begins to give him this revelation. And so uh, we made the point that seems very intuitive, but you hear from God most when you're in his presence. 
Weird. Uh, weird, yes. right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, you know, that's the kind of hard-hitting journalism you're going to get on the Mission City Church podcast. Uh, but this week, we kind of uh, expand a little bit on chapter one, and then we get into chapter two. And so uh, anything from last week's episode or anything that you want to uh, highlight or bring up before we jump in? Uh no, I think you and Russell did a great job going through it. I think the uh, I am personally excited for this series. I have been a person who avoids Revelation because I'm scared of it and don't know what it means. Um, I think the only time we've I've ever talked about it is just the guy in the Bible study who says, like, we should study Revelation. We can figure it out. Um, and then we just end up studying James instead. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Or like, you know, one of the gospels, let's right. just, let's just tackle something easy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's hard. And I think that's, you're, it just puts you in good company. And yeah. that's one of the reasons why we wanted to do this series is just because we felt like that was a common story. And, um, I've definitely heard that from many people. So, um, one of the reasons I'm glad that you brought it up that way, because it kind of segues nicely into the beginning of our, of our message tonight, or as we're recording, this is just the, like, one of the reasons why reading the book of Revelation can be really challenging is that it really tests how much knowledge or how much like recall you have of the rest of the Bible. And mm-hmm. so uh, I'm going to point out a few things here, and I'm interested to hear kind of if any of this jogs your memory or jumps out to you, and then I'll kind of give some maybe some tie-ins. And granted, uh, just to get ahead of this, this is not something that I knew right off the top of my head either. This is yeah. a, some time researching and realizing and really understanding um, oh, this is what this is actually pointing back to. And yeah, I would have never got that if I didn't put a little extra study time into it. So yeah, I thought, my, uh, I thought my days with pop quizzes were over, but we're back. <laughs> right. We're right back to it. Nope. 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 <laughs> uh, all right. Let's start in uh, chapter one, verse 12. Uh, this is what it says. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. On, and on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire, his feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. Whew. Uh, that is quite the picture, uh-huh. but it's also not something you'd necessarily see on a street corner in an average day. <laughs> yeah. So anything, anything just from that first chunk there, Ryan, for you that, um, it jogs your memory or just clicks like anything that you're like, ah, I think I've seen that before. Anything like that? Um, I think immediately the, the two edged sword, um, okay. that is like the Bible. Yes. Question mark? Yes. Yes. So the word of yeah. God, that is uh, in the whole armor of God narrative, uh, there is the word of God that is sharper than any two-edged sword, right. cuts between bone and flesh. So yeah, way to go. Well done. Yes. Uh, and then uh, maybe the reference to seven as a number, okay. just like completion, wholeness, we yep. see places. Absolutely. So seven is going to come up over and over in the book of Revelation. And truly, mm. the best way to understand that is that when he says seven, he's talking about all of them. Yeah. Um, and so seven is like this. Seven is kind of a placeholder in some ways for an unknowable number, but it just means like a completeness or, or a wholeness or all of them. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, great job. Um, and then white like snow. Um, yes. Maybe that's just a song, but like he washes <laughs> me white like snow. Um, just like God's cleansing of our sins, Jesus cleansing of our sins on the cross. 
Yeah, absolutely. So now you have me going down a rabbit trail of like what that song is. I feel like there's like for some reason it's like Dolly Parton is singing in my head right now. There's like a country be. song. It's, anyway, um, but yes, that actually is a reference back to Daniel. So okay. Daniel gives a prophecy of our sins being made white as snow. Right. Um, and so, yes, you are definitely honest. And there's definitely a tie in there to his hair being white as snow, the purity right. to the whiteness of snow, the cleanliness of it. So, yeah, absolutely. And then speaking of Daniel, maybe even uh, like his he was refined in a furnace. Um, that reminds me of the Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in a mm-hmm. furnace. Um, I'm not sure that those connect, but. Yeah, that's I, what it makes me think of. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> I I don't have that in my notes, but like I I kind of like where you're going with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we love it. So yeah. son of son of man like character in the furnace with him. Yes, but I'm yeah. just stretching to. I'm doing everything I can over here, Jake. No, you're doing great. <laughs> uh, a couple others that you uh, that, that we were mentioned that you know maybe yes, son of man is definitely a callback. Uh, first and last, um, so. Uh, sorry, this is going to come up later on. Let me read the next verse here real quick. Mm. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys to death and Hades. When he says, I am the first and the last, and this is one of the important things of like why it's difficult for us because we're so far removed from the Bible when it was actually written. Mm. And if we go back to like, if you were a Jewish person of the day and you were well-versed in the Old Testament or even the Torah, just the first five books, which they would have read it and understood it, you know, many more times than we do today. Um, typically, uh, you would have known that that first and last goes directly to a prophecy in Isaiah. So Isaiah, God speaks through Isaiah and he says three different times. You can, if you're listening to this, you want to write these down or check, check in on them. Isaiah 41, 4, 44, 6 and 48, 12, uh, Jesus or, or the Lord that's mentioned, Lord is proclaiming, I am first and last, always and forever. I was and will be like that first and last is a key characteristic of proclaiming I am God. Mm. So when Jesus is giving this proclamation to John, it's him declaring his godliness by saying, I am the first and the last. Now for us, again, that's not the first thing that usually pops into our heads. Right. It's like first and last. And I got to figure out this timeline and uh-huh. like the eternity of, you know, existence but really like that's what that is trying to paint a picture of yeah um he goes on to say in the next couple verses uh write therefore the things that you have seen just just you know imploring john to write these down those that are uh those that are and those that are to take place after this as for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches this is really interesting because if you go back to, let me ask you this first before I before I give you the the answers to the test. Okay. Lampstand, come anything pop up with that? Uh, if I had to guess, maybe something to do with like a tabernacle they were building, like in Leviticus. Nailed it. Okay. Not quite Leviticus, but <laughs> in Exodus. Okay. Uh, yes, the nation of Israel has left. They've recovered the Ark of the Covenant. They've got, you know, they basically are moving, and God tells them in Exodus chapter 25 that he wants to build this tabernacle, this tent, where his presence is going to be with the nation of Israel as they travel, right? Right. Now, in the middle of this tent, he tells them to build one lampstand with seven lamps. Interesting tie-in here, because now... 
we're not talking about one lampstand with seven lamps. We're talking about seven different lampstands. So not a menorah, seven lamps. There you go. Nailed it. Got it. Uh, so, but, but the idea is that the tabernacle originally, this is the meeting place of God with his people. Now these people, his people are dispersed throughout these seven churches in Asia. Uh, but the idea being that his spirit is, uh, the lampstand is kind of a representation of his spirit being with them. So where his people are, where his communities are throughout the churches in Asia, mm-hmm. that's where his presence also is. That's why the lampstands each represent the seven churches. Got now, it. again, going back to what you mentioned earlier about the number seven, we're also talking about a completeness, a future ongoing number. There's not an established number of how many churches forever throughout history are going to be, you know, represented by a lampstand. Mm-hmm. But the number seven lets us know that this is kind of a completeness or a wholeness that, you know, these lampstands represent my people or the places where my people gather. Gotcha. So more than seven churches in the world. Is that what you're telling me? I think long term. <laughs> yeah, exactly what I'm saying. Got it. Uh, <laughs> since we don't attend any of these churches and none of them exist anymore. Yeah. I'm going to go with more than seven long term. <laughs> um, let's see a couple others here. The garments that it talks about Jesus wearing are a callback to a priest, what a priest would wear. So when it talks about like that long robe and the golden sash around his chest, those mm-hmm. are uh, what a typical Jewish priest would be wearing. Um, again, we even talked about on Sunday, Jesus being this priestly King kind of, again, giving him that, uh, priestly kind of title or air about him. Uh, and then I thought this was really interesting too, that the sword of his mouth, mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned how it's two, it's double edged, which is really interesting. There's also a belief that it's the sword of his mouth because what was thought to be Jesus's, um, approach to conquering would be that he would be this political king that would come and take over for the nation and the nation of Israel would, you know, claim their rightful place in the land that God brought them to and that mm-hmm. they would forever be God's people and rule in that land. Yeah. But what we see in Jesus is actually much different. He's a sacrificial king, right? He's one that laid down his life for his followers and that his word was really what he his tool of conquering. And right. so um when we kind of have this picture in our mind of like a sword coming out of someone's mouth, in some ways it's like, that's really gross. Yeah. And in some ways it's like, that's kind of an awesome weapon. Yeah. <laughs> like if you could just wave that thing around, like that would be great. But really the point is not that the, that the mouth, or at least my interpretation that it not, it's not that his tongue is a sword for murdering or fighting, but it's a symbol that his tongue is his weapon and that his word is his weapon. Right. Um, as you mentioned earlier, sharper than any two-edged sword, you know, that it would get to the heart of us as opposed to being this, uh, as opposed to victory in um, war. It's more of a victory of, of words of, you know, getting to someone's heart and that right. kind of thing. So like, isn't that armor of God is the sword is the, the word? Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. It all ties together. Yeah. Yep. You're getting it. You're picking yeah. up on it. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so again, this all was just to make the point that a lot of revelation and understanding revelation requires us to really study our Bible as a whole and to understand some of these tie-ins that we don't necessarily pick up on immediately, but that uh, the audience that John is writing this letter to would have. Because if we go back to chapter one, he's writing this to these seven churches that are mentioned here. And they're all going to read this letter. And to them, they're going to recognize that's what he's talking about. That's the symbol here. That's, you know, but for us, we kind of have to do a little more research. Yeah. And 
a question about that. So when John, I guess, is getting this and writing this, are those Jewish churches studying just the Old Testament or are there New Testament books that are available to them at this point yet? So most likely when he's writing this, um, you know, it's going to, this going to, I don't want to say something that would be untrue. So I, I'll say just flat out. I don't too, truly know. Okay. My understanding would be that because of the uh, primary method of the truth of Jesus being shared, being word of mouth is that more than likely there was no indication from John's perspective that this letter is going to ultimately go on into a book that's going to, you know, carry out throughout human history. And it's going to be the revelations passed throughout the, the, what we call the Bible. You know, my guess is that John had no idea that that's what this is ultimately going to be in his mind. This is just a letter that I'm writing to these churches probably around the same time uh, or maybe a similar time that Paul is writing to his letters, to his churches, things like that. Probably not with the intention that they're going to ultimately become the Bible or the New Testament writings. Yeah. Because a lot of what, you know, and I, maybe I'm, maybe I'm assuming too much with you asking that question, but it seems like maybe what you're asking is like, do they, do those churches, are those churches reading what we would consider the New Testament in their like church service or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I would say probably not. They're probably just, it's probably just word of mouth of whoever planted them. Paul shared them the truth of, you know, what this, these mean. They're probably a lot of times really just reading the old Testament and then talking about how it applies to Jesus. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, again, that's my best uh, guess. And just kind of from my own brain, not saying that that's absolute truth. Well, I believe you. Thank you. Appreciate that. I have a microphone, so everybody has to believe me. <laughs> uh, all right, let's jump into kind of some of the more meat of our discussion today, because uh, I'm super excited about this episode. I think that this has been one of the revelations or uncoverings for me that's actually been super helpful in my understanding of how God speaks to us, what God's intentions are for us when we're asking him specific things and th- stuff like that. And w- that all comes to a head in chapters two and three when he is writing to, when, when Jesus is revealing to John exactly like what's going on in the churches currently. So one of the interesting things about Revelation in this, these chapters two and three is that we think of Revelation as this kind of, um, you know, futuristic, this is the end times, mm-hmm. whatever. But it actually starts with, this is what's happening today in these churches. So yeah. even though you get this kind of weird symbolic picture of the stars and the lampstands and all that, this letter is intended to go to these churches today. And Jesus is going to point out, these are the, the issues that I have and that I want to address with you right now. Yeah. So I find that to be really interesting. So I'll just go through them one at, one by one. We'll talk a little bit about each one, and then we'll kind of talk about how this matters to us or the application that it has to us today. Great. Cool. Let's do it. All right. So the first one that we read about is the Church of Ephesus. Now, the, the pros, and I, I really appreciate this about Jesus, and that he gives like the good and the bad. He yes. kind of, you know, the whole, uh, are you familiar with the Oreo? Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you give somebody a little bit of the compliment uh-huh. and then you tear them down and then you build them back up. Yeah. Like that's what Jesus kind of does here. Cause he gives the, Hey, this is what you're, this is what I'm proud of you for. This is where you've gone off. But if you stay faithful, this is the prize at the end. Yes. So you amazing. Know, he, yeah. It's like he was writing John Maxwell books before John. Yeah, exactly. Maxwell. <laughs> Just a leadership one Oh one. Exactly. From revelation. Exactly. Oh man. It's a tale as old as time itself. So in Ephesus, pros of the church at Ephesus, they have good deeds. Always, always a winner. They work hard. 
wow, is this church in America? Um, <laughs> just kidding. They're patient and they endure. No, it's not in Definitely America. Definitely not in America. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. We just had to keep reading. Um, they cannot bear evil and they've identified false prophets. They're Whoa. killing it, right? Yeah. Like, good things here. Yep. Cons. Forsaken their first love. I hate it when that happens. A little bit of a big one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so that is a bit of a struggle, yep. you know, and, and for most scholars, they believe what Jesus is trying to say here is that they have either lost their connection to the spirit, lost that they're doing these things in love of Jesus, mm-hmm. or, um, that there is just like, there's no love in their deeds at all, whether it be to a brother, whether it be to a, a person in need, something like that. It's just all out of obligation as opposed to just the love of loving a, a neighbor or friend right. as Jesus commanded them to. Yeah. Just like a works-based sort of exactly. church here. Exactly. Yeah. But we got to finish the sandwich because if they come back and if they find that first love and if they hold fast to it, they will have food from the tree of life. Wow. Which, you know, pretty good prize. This church is more like a double stuff Oreo. <laughs> I would say is, are you saying that double stuff Oreo is the food of life? Is uh, that the, <laughs> I think I'm saying that I think that's a big con. Oh, got it. <laughs> too much stuff. Too, too much, much stuffing. stuffing. <laughs> too much stuffing. Love it. All right. Fair enough. Uh, let's go move on to, uh, I, I want to call this Smyrna. And if I'm pronouncing that improperly, then you just, you know, whoever out there, I'm sure that there's another way to say it. But uh, that's how I've always said it. So that's how we're going with today. Looks good to me. Perfect. So they are, this church is actually persecuted. They have some struggles. They are light on resources, things like that. Um, And Jesus actually predicts there's going to be more persecution to come. Hmm. And he challenges them to continue to be faithful. Like basically you've had it rough. You're going to keep having it rough. You need to keep being faithful. Yeah. Just a good old fashioned Job church here, huh? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) We're just going to keep pressing in. Yeah. Uh, But if they continue they will achieve the crown of life and there will be no pain in the second death. Wow. Which something to look forward to. Absolutely. And we need a whole nother podcast to talk about what the second death is. I'm not going to get into that. Yeah. And that's not really what the point of the series is, (laughs) but just know. And, and by the way, I would give you a little bit of a peek behind the curtain here as we go. Yeah. The prize is always some symbolic representation of what we think of as eternal life with God. Got it. So if you want to go back and go through again, symbolic hyperlinks back to the rest of the Bible, Mm. manna that falls from heaven sustains the Israelites. Right. You know, that's the tree of life. We want to get back to the garden, right? That's the key. That's the, that's the goal. That's the ideal. Uh, The crown of life, no pain, like that we would live eternally, that there wouldn't be a second death for us because we've obtained eternal life. Mm. All of these prizes are going to, be connections to what we think of as Christians today as like one of the aspects of the the good place at the end or the thing that we're trying to strive to. So right. uh, just okay. know that they're all going to, Jesus actually paints them all in a different picture. He has a different prize technically by word, but they're all pointing to the same thing. Yeah. So everyone gets a different prize, but it's all the same and we get all of them. Yeah. Is that kind like of that. what we're trying to say? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, at least that's my understanding. Again. All right. All right, moving on to Pergamum. Uh, what we see here is that they are faithful even in Satan's house, which is really interesting. Gives you a little peek behind the curtain as to uh, maybe some of the spiritual elements of what's at play in this culture and this day. Yeah, faithful in a bad place. Is that what we're pointing to here? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Ever been there? 
yeah. <laughs> I, I went to school in Lawrence, so we'll yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, maybe some Mizzou fans are listening that would agree with that. Um, so faithful even in Satan's house. Uh, they deal with false teaching. They are encouraging uh, tainted food and sexual immorality. That they're talking about. They're pro conquering and violence. That's kind of a callback to that, like the idea that we were talking about earlier with the sword out of the tongue not yeah. being a, a, a weapon of violence, but of uh, like just a word. That the word is the the, the weapon there. Um, and so that's a false teaching. That's not what Jesus intended. Right. Right. And so yeah, but again. Prize, hidden manna, a white stone, you be washed clean, yeah. uh, and that you would have a new name, mm. which is great. Yeah, just kind of a clean slate here. Exactly. Yeah. So again, another element of this eternal, good place, life that we have to look forward to uh, in Jesus. Mm. All right. Uh, Thyatira? Sound good? Sounds great. All right, moving on. Uh, <laughs> again, we have good deeds. They have love. Got we love the, love. We love love. They've got that on the first place. Uh, they have faithful. They have service. They have patient endurance. Wow. Yes. Checking some boxes. A lot of boxes. They're their doing last, great. Their last deeds are greater than their first. It's incredible to they, keep they wanting up. They just keep getting better. Actually, is that sort of a situation where they just keep the bar low and they just keep clearing it Could little be. by little? Could be. Usain Could Bolt be. style? <laughs> sort of a deep cut. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Uh, but... Here's the but. They tolerate Jezebel, who teaches about eating tainted food and sexual morality. And so just, you, you know. You cannot tolerate Jezebel. No. You know, as they would say, a little un- a little leaven leavens the whole bunch. Something they like that. They do say that. Something like that. One <laughs> bad apple, say that. maybe. That's more of a modern. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Perfect. Uh, but, but if you overcome Jezebel, uh, you would have authority over the nations. Hmm. Authority over the nation. Sounds nice. Interesting. Ruling over, you kind of have this idea of this picture that God painted in the beginning of Mm. co-ruling over the earth, over creation. Right. You're going to get back to that state again. Nice. Um, Which sounds great. Yeah. All right. Sardis. Sardis has a reputation for life, but they are dead. (laughs) Whitewashed tombs, if you will. (laughs) Some are saying. Uh, They have incomplete deeds. (laughs) So their first... And last, really, just wow. not fully completed. Uh, and they only have a faithful few that remain. Mm. However, however, for the faithful few, they are clothed in white and forever remembered in the book of life. Again, washed clean, and they will be have eternal life in heaven. Yeah, it sounds like those God. faithful few deserve it after carrying this church. Earned it. Yes. 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 Yeah, 80-20 rule there, if you right. will. <laughs> uh the best of them all, I believe, at least. The Church of Philadelphia comes next. Yep. Uh, Everybody have, loves Philly. Uh, well, <laughs> right now. Hot. Yes. Uh, let's see. They have little power, so little political power. They're not a church that really thrives on the national scene here, but they are faithful. Jesus loves them. Mm. They have kept the word with patient endurance. Wow. Yes. And a place with God forever awaits them if they remain faithful. And conquer. And so not win. really a con for this, for Philly? Exactly. Not wow. really a con. All right. Yeah. Uh, by the way, also, something to point out. Going back to that idea of conquering and how we conquer, whether it be through physical violence or whether it be just through our testimony and word, that kind of thing. Yep. All of these, at least in my ESV translation, uh, when we're talking about this prize, it starts out by Jesus saying, 
for them, for him who conquers or for those who conquer, which is actually the Greek word is, I, I don't know the exact letters or how it's pronounced, but it's where we get our word Nike, like the brand. Oh, like yeah. victory. Isn't that what Nike means? Yes. So okay. victory, conquer, uh, but it's really interesting. So for those of you who Nike, you will receive these things. Okay. Well, yeah. bad news for Adidas, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> is in little power, when you say that, mm-hmm. is this... You said political power, but is that sort of are they missing influence? Is that is that a potential con here, or am I making too much out of it? Um, not in the way that I read it, at least. Okay. Um, you could make that case possibly that they're not creating a bigger scene than mm-hmm. they are. Uh, but it really, I think from what from my understanding of it is more so that they just don't have a whole lot of influence on what's happening around them. Like the government, right. the Roman government, really has like a hold on what's happening and um yeah they just don't really have a whole lot of sway yeah like they have to you know stuff like that so gotcha yep uh and then finally laodicea which is the church that millions of sermons have been written about uh which are really interesting but they are apoplectic uh they will be spit out of jesus's mouth because uh, they are neither hot nor cold, which is interesting because a lot of times we just think, ah, Jesus wants them to be hot. But yeah. he doesn't say that. He says they're neither hot nor cold. Just, mm. just saying. Uh, but they're wealthy. They feel like they have no need of God. They're miserable, pitiable, poor in spirit, blind and naked. <laughs> but, Jeez, harsh words. <laughs> correct. The opposite of the Philadelphia church. Yeah. Um, but but their saving grace is that they are loved enough to be rebuked and they're invited to be with Jesus. Mm. Uh, and so their prize, should they conquer, should they Nike, should they have victory, mm. is that they are to sit with Jesus at his throne. Wow. Yeah. So based off of this, Ryan, I'm just going to throw this out there. I know you're someone who has uh, worked in a few different occupations uh-huh. in his life, including one in vocational ministry for a little bit. Yep. Uh, so I'm just going to say, you know, you're filling out your resume. You're looking at, you know, indeed.com. Yep. You're seeing the profiles of all these churches. Mm. I'm going to take Philadelphia out. Cause I think that's cheating. Yep. But where are you sending your resume out to? Who do you think earns the, uh, Ryan Burrow? Uh, I'm going to apply for the lead pastor role at this church. <sighs> well, I think, Instantly, I want to be out of the one in Satan's house. Is that Pergamum? <laughs> That's fair. That automatically is a cross-off. Okay. I don't care what All they're right. paying. I'm not going. Fair enough. Fair um, enough. The benefits package just isn't going to do it for you. It is not going to do it. Uh, you know, truthfully, maybe, well, ugh, all of these just, some of these cons, it's hard to just be like, yeah, I'm fine with that. Uh, you know, maybe Ephesus. You okay. know, even though they've lost their first love, the first love is the deepest. Um, so I think they can find a way back. I think that's a church that's got a lot of pros. I the think bones are there. The, the good, bones. good bones. That's all we're looking for is good bones. Uh, and with a head pastor like me, I think we could find God again. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> the guy that can bring the love back. Yeah, yeah well, absolutely. Hey, there's nobody... Ephesus, I don't know. It seems like a... I've heard of it. So booming economy, surely. Oh, yes. They probably pay okay. That's probably not good. My brain goes immediately to what's what's the pay scale in each of these cities, but... Well, (laughs) it's a factor. Yeah. I mean, good deeds, works hard, you know? (laughs) That's got to count for something. Right, yeah. It's got to be some tithe coming in there. 
Uh, yeah. yeah, no, Ephesus, Port City. You know, you got to deal with the. Uh, I believe off the top of my head that that is the. Uh, there's a shrine to. Uh, what's her name? Starts with an A. Can't remember. We just talked about this the other day, but uh, or a little while back in one of our sermon series in uh, Ephesians, but um, not Athena, something like Artemis. Something, uh, there's a sure. There's a, there's a shrine to one of those false gods. Uh, that, or is a big yeah. That's anyway. the competing religion in the city. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So you got comp- competing churches down the there's, block. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Nothing great was ever made without competition. Love it. Perfect. <laughs> uh, I am sending my resume to Smyrna. Oh. Uh, and here's why is that they are, uh, although they're facing persecution uh, mm. and they have first future persecution to come, they have been hardened. They, uh, yeah. they know how to deal with, you know, some hard times yep. and that just gives me a soft landing. I feel like, uh, so no matter how those first couple of years go, they're just used to it already. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't be worse. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Couldn't be worse. Maybe, Low bar. Yeah. Low yeah. Bar. That's just my need for comfort. I was just like persecution. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Well, hey, uh, so obviously we're having a little bit of fun with this, but the point in us bringing all this up is if you look, so as you're studying the book of Revelation, this is in chapters two and three. This is early on. This is one of the first things that Jesus is going to reveal to John. And uh, what we see here is that before John, or before Jesus is going to get to any of the revealing of end times or teachings or the specifics of what to do or anything like that, he's going to start out by saying, look, this is, this is some of the challenges that you're currently facing. And I want to not only encourage you with what you've done well, and encourage you with what's coming at the end if you stay faithful, if you conquer. But I want to address the heart of what's going on. I want to get to some of the challenges that you're having, some of the struggles that you're having, because I need you to I need you to 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 lean into these things and to to come back to me. And although you may be wondering, you know, hey, church in Smyrna, I know you're wondering like when they're, you're going to stop being oppressed. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you to I'm going to ask you for faithfulness. You know, hey, uh, I, I know that you're asking for, uh, you know, how to grow the church um, in Laodicea. But look, I'm going to tell you that all your money that you think can, you know, buy you whatever you need and you don't need me, you need me. Yeah. You know, that's what it's going to come down to. So so God's trying to address the idolatry or the challenges that they're facing. And uh, I think this really goes back to a passage in Ezekiel. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you go back to Ezekiel chapter 14, I'll read the first five verses here. It's a really fascinating text to study and to apply to kind of what we're talking about here. So it says, Then certain of the elders of Israel came to me. This is Ezekiel the prophet. So he's like the one who speaks on God's behalf to the people. People come to him for a- ask questions, yeah. things like that. Okay. So the elders have come to him and sat before him, and the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, these men... Hey, there's that son of man again. Again, Interesting. yeah. Uh, these men have taken their idols into their hearts and set the stumbling block of their iniquity before their faces. Should I indeed let myself be consulted by them? Question mark. Yeah, <laughs> therefore, <laughs> therefore, speak to them and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Any one of the house of Israel who takes his idols into his heart and sets the stumbling block of his iniquity, his sin, before his face, and yet comes to the prophet... If you have idols in your heart, if you've decided to give in to the sin of your life, and then you come to the prophet asking of me, I, the Lord, will answer him as he comes with his multitude of idols, that I may be 
that I may lay hold of the hearts of the house of Israel who are all estranged from me through their idols. In other words, you want to know what I want you to do or where you're supposed to go or what you're supposed to build or any of that. I'm going to talk to you about the sin of your life. I'm going to talk to mm-hmm. you about the idols that you hold in your heart. I'm going to talk about the struggles that are going on because your hearts are so far from me that that's what I value as yeah. opposed to the next step that you're trying to ask me about. You want to inquire of me about. Right. And I find this really fascinating. Uh, and Ryan, I'll ask you if you have any examples maybe that line up with this. I'll give a couple of my own, but I think I've found in my own life that so many times when I've went to God asking for an uncovering, a revelation of some kind, I'm asking God to, to lead me to something or to show me something. You know, we have all these huge grand questions that feel so big to us. Yeah. Should I marry this person I'm dating? Should I continue in this job or look for something else? Should I move? Should I, you know, what should I major in in college? All those things, right? Right. And we want to know, God, give us the perfect path. And sometimes it's like, no, God, stop talking to me about my sin. I want to know about this. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to fix it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so what God is giving us a picture of here in Revelation and what we see confirmed in this Ezekiel passage is that sometimes like the starting point is about your heart mm. and not about the physical thing that you think mat- that matters so much to you. And I don't think it's that God doesn't think, doesn't know that it doesn't matter to you. He just can see the eternal value in like, look, I realize that you think that this, the sin in your life is lesser than this more important life altering decision. Right. But I'm telling you that that sin is actually killing you and the life altering decision doesn't actually mean that you're going to die or change your life. Right. Um, and so, so often God just wants to get to that. And I think, you know, as we talk about this revelation series and how God reveals things to us, one of the things that I would challenge you with, if you're seeking some kind of revelation from God or seeking some kind of answer from God, and he's just t- seemingly talking to you about something else, there's a picture that comes to mind. There's words that come to mind. There's maybe even some kind of like holy, um, confession or something that's happening inside of you. That's like, Oh gosh, I just, now I'm starting to feel, you know, bad or I don't, that's right. in a weird way, yeah. but you know, you start to feel that a little bit of like, yeah. um, conviction. That's what, that's that, what I'm trying yeah. to say. Yeah. <laughs> You're starting to get convicted of like, Oh, what, like, that's not what I'm asking about. You know, like, right. but I feel that, um, that's cause God wants to get to that. Mm. And, and so often, you know, we see this picture here in revelation of that God really wants to get to that. And, uh, so I'll give one example. I'll pass it to you. Okay. Uh, see if you got any examples and then, uh, if we've got time, I got another one. Uh, but last week I mentioned, uh, some of the like struggle and challenge that it was of, um, when we moved, when we left, uh, grace and our, our place in Olathe and moved to mission and started mission city. Right. Um, and just how we heard in God's presence that we were supposed to do that. That's where we got that call from. Hmm. Some of the challenges that we had along that way were obviously we're, we're moving, we're leaving a church where we've made friendships and connections. I'm going to, uh, I'm leaving a church that has a paid staff position for me (laughs) to go and join a church that doesn't. Um, you know, there's all kinds of just different things that made that a challenge. Mm. And oftentimes when I was praying about, you know, God, would you give me a job, you know, or God, would you lead me to our house or whatever it may be? Um, it felt like there was just kind of this like constant, I got this. Hmm. 
It's like, well, that's not an answer. Right. <laughs> that's, that's not what I want to hear at least. Yeah. I guess it is an answer, but that's not what yeah. I want to hear. And so, um, I remember, you know, there would be times when, uh, I would be searching like on uh, LinkedIn right. you know, for like hours, just yeah. like searching job boards, which like there is no out of body experience. No, it's a dark <laughs> like, place. It's a dark hole uh, to get trapped into than searching those, you know, job boards for yeah. a place to work. And, um, man, I just remember breaking down a few different nights and just mm. crying out to God and like, man, it just seems like there's nothing out there that fits me or that would work for me or whatever. And it'd just be kind of this reminder of like, you know, you're putting your, your faith in the effort that you're doing on these job sites. Right. Because there was definitely a voice in my mind that was going, if you don't check tonight, that perfect job is going to get applied to by someone else yeah. and your application is going to go to the bottom and they're never going to see it. And they're going to hire somebody else and you're going to miss out yeah. on, you know, months of checking for jobs and you just missed it. So I have to go on and I have to search and I have to apply for every job that, and it was like time and time again, it just was like, God was like, I don't know why you're putting so much effort into this. Yeah. Like, why are you trying so hard? Yeah. He already told you he got it. Right. Exactly. And so it felt like God was continually reminding me that like my comfort, my peace doesn't come from my own efforts. Right. And the whole time I just wanted to know what the job was going to be and have him answer that prayer. Yeah. But he was trying to get to the, the root that was like already, you know, created of a, of a lack of peace or trying to find it in my own works. Yeah. So, no, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. Anything that you can think of or that comes to mind kind of about God, maybe t- trying to show you something that you weren't trying to get, you were trying to get a different answer. Yeah. I think honestly, something maybe I'm even kind of working through right now is just, I, you know, just got married in July. So just a few months ago and I've been at my job for almost three years, which for me is like an incredibly long time. Uh, so just feeling content in that. Um, and we just moved to an apartment that we love and all those things. So I'm in this place where things are great and I'm searching for the next thing. I think you just admitted to everyone that you're a millennial without saying that you were a millennial. Yeah. yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah. I so did. searching for the next thing. Though. So just like, God, what's the next thing? Sure. Like I've checked all these things off and what's next now. Right. Um, and the thing that I keep thinking about is, I'm just kind of addicted to my own comfort. And I even made a joke about it earlier, but like I don't do anything that's not comfortable for me, you know? And so, um, what I've been challenged by with, by God recently in this is just like, I'm looking for, you know, something else, but God really wants me to look at my life now and say, where are the places that you can go and be uncomfortable or where can you do something that you actually have to rely on me to -hmm. get done? Um, so I think for me, that I'm kind of living it right now. It's like, I I feel this weight of all I do is comfortable. I'm comfortable everywhere. And I've made my life cushy and easy, Mm -hmm. um, which is great. It's a blessing to be able to like, you know, be married and have a good job and have a nice place to live. But, um, just like, that's not all there is to life. And, um, even to that, there's a CS Lewis quote that I've been just constantly running through in my brain of, I'll butcher it, but it's basically just we're so addicted to ambition and idolatry and sex that we would rather stay in our homes making mud pies than being out to sea on holiday, which is what God offers us. Um, So for me, I think about my life and I think it's great. 
Um, but I'm not doing anything that is challenging me. I'm kind of content to just play in my little mud pie. Mm. Um, don't tell my wife I said that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, you know, I want that that thing that makes me rely on God and brings me out to sea and, like, allows me to be part of his plan and his work on earth. Um, so that's, I think, I think that's just kind of where I'm at right now even. So, mm. yeah, I think this, this hits well. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I think another one for me, and this is maybe a little bit of a, um, I don't know, this might be a, like a, a harsher example or harder for me, but this is a more of like directly like, um, sinful thing mm. that was happening to me for a while. Um, I've always been like, uh, well, people say, you know, maybe an old soul or you, you yeah. know, just like think about the future. You're overly responsible for your age kind of thing. Like, yeah. Not that I did all the right things. I made a ton of mistakes or whatever. Yeah. But well, like, you're a dad now, so you definitely are, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I've, you know, I've always kind of just felt like I needed to be thinking about the next step way before I actually did. Mm. And so I remember when I was in high school, uh, I was dating this girl and, um, had it in my mind that we were just going to get married. Mm. Like we had dated for a few years and, um, you know, so I'm, I'm beginning to pray like as like a 17, 18 year old, like, is this the girl that I'm going to marry? Right. And there are probably some people that are listening to this going, Whoa, that's weird. And some people that are like, yeah, I kind of get it. (laughs) (laughs) uh, You uh, don't understand. We're different. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, yeah. And, and so I'm, I'm praying about that. And now inside of this relationship, there's, unfortunately like all kinds of sexual immorality happening. Like it's just not a healthy from a spiritual standpoint, not a healthy relationship. And Mm so I'm praying, you know, God, is this the person I'm supposed to marry? And every time I pray about it, I just start getting this conviction about this sexual immorality, like the sin in my life. Right. And I'm going, God, that's not what I'm asking you. Like I, I know Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm I'm well aware I'm working on it. Stop bringing it up. (laughs) I want to know the answer to my question. (laughs) Um, but, but truthfully, uh, you know, truly God was like, look, I get that that's really important to you. Yeah. And I know that that's a big question that you need answered. It will be answered in time. I'm not married to that person. Yeah. But what I'm trying to do, what I want is I want to save your soul because mm. you can marry that person. And I'm not saying that this is how it would have gone if I had, um, but you could marry that person, live the rest of your life, walk away from me and, you know, walk into eternity of destruction and, yeah. you know, or, you could put aside, are you going to marry this person or not? Hmm. Address the sin in your life, come back to life, come back to walking with me. And, you know, we can move on from there and know that there's an eternity, eternal prize that's waiting for you. Similar to what he was talking about with these churches. Um, look, I, again, not trying to address the minute details that we think are so important, but that God truly values our eternal life and that prize that he wants us to achieve at the end of the day. Mm. Um, so much more than those little details that we want to figure out and have the answer to right now. Cause we're so impatient. Right. Um, but it's funny. And maybe this is a dad thing too, because I picked this up with Judah, right? Um, he's so impatient about the things that matter less Mm. versus like, like if he's impatient about being hungry, that makes total sense to me. Yep. Me too. He drops the pacifier out of his mouth and it's immediate tears. Uh-huh. And I'm like, dude, it's going to take five seconds for me to get that thing back in. It's not the most <laughs> important thing right now. Um, or like, you know, maybe he, we're trying to get him to go down and yeah. he just doesn't want to be in his bassinet, but it's uh-huh. like, that's the safest place for you, man. Yeah. Like you, I know this momentary discomfort for yeah. you is like tear jerking, mm-hmm. but truthfully it's what's best for you yep. and for us as your parents. Um, 
And so, yeah, it's just, again, it's like, uh, not to say that we are gods to Judah, but, um, just saying from that fatherly role, I, th- I, I think I've gotten a, a glimpse, a, s- a small glimpse into like just the reality that God sees so much of a bigger picture than right. we do. Mm-hmm. And once the thing that's most important when we oftentimes get so caught up in the thing that's not as important. Right. Uh, which I think is, you know, something that we can learn from these churches and from uh, history and the Bible and, you know, just life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Uh, well, that's about all I've got. You got anything else you want to add or anything you want to wrap up with? No, we, no. Just you know? thanks for having me. It's just fun. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, love to have you. Love to have you back. Okay. Uh, well done great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how it plays on the, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. see how many the clicks, you know. Yeah. Hey, just subscribe. Don't need you to listen. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, we're so thankful for our audience. Thanks for checking out this episode. If you're enjoying this series or if you got a question, comment, concern, maybe you disagree, uh, shoot me an email, jake at missioncitykc.com. I'd love to interact with you. I want to hear your feedback. It's a gift. It truly is. Uh, it helps us be better. It helps us address the things that uh, God might be speaking to you about because truly that's why we this podcast exists is to help Jesus be known in your life. And so if there's any way that we can help you, if there's any way that we can pray for you or interact with you throughout these series, please don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, we would love to, to do that. You can also do that through our social media, Mission City KC. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it. But um, yeah, we love you guys. Thanks so much for checking out this episode. We'll be back next week and we'll have episode three of the Greatest Revelation podcast series. See ya. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mission City Church podcast. Mission City Church is a non-denominational church in Mission, Kansas. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at Cinemark 20 off of Johnson Drive and I-35, and we also have five community groups that meet throughout the Kansas City metro. If you live in the Kansas City area and would like more information, please visit our website at missioncitykc.com, or you can send me an email at jake at missioncitykc.com.